0: Have you ever met one of those people who just can't be stopped? It's like they're unstoppable. Yeah, I have. Me too. What's their mystique? Nothing stops these people. Welcome to Mission Unstoppable with Coach Frankie Picasso. You're about to meet some of the most amazing people.
1: They've accomplished their goals despite insurmountable odds. They beat adversity, physical hardship, and traumatic events, and emerge triumphantly. They're people
0: just like you and me, and they're winners. Are you unstoppable?
1: Here's Frankie to show you how.
0: Hello there, everybody. We're a little bit late today. That's okay. We got here. Uh, not a problem. You know what? You're going to really understand just how apropos this was for, for us. <laughs> Welcome to Frankie Sense and More. You know, did you know that roughly 18% of the American population, that's about 40 million people over the age of 18, are affected by anxiety? And 68% of them are age 12 and up, and they're taking antidepressants for depression and anxiety for at least a minimum of two years, and many more than 10. Wow. So one in four women age 50 to 64, I'm in there, are on antidepressants. I'm not. <laughs> Anxiety disorders are considered to be the most common mental illness in the United States. But addiction is also on the rise. And the top eight addictions, this is, this is going to be interesting for you, not including drugs, are gambling, sex, shopping, internet viewing, video game playing, plastic surgery, food behavior as in eating and overeating, and lastly, risky behavior. Is it any wonder that we need to find a solution to these common fears, addictions, and anxiety? Well, today, we have one. My guest is Dean Slider, and his book, Fear Less, Living Beyond Fear, Anxiety, Anger, and Addiction, can help anyone find the peace that they so desire in their lives. Since 1970, Dean has been teaching natural methods of meditation and awakening throughout the United States in schools, yoga studios, and even prisons. Dean has completed numerous pilgrimages and, he, and retreats in India, Tibet, Nepal, and the West. And he is also the author of at least five books that I know of, including his award-winning book, Natural Meditation. Dean, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks so much. It's great to be here.
0: <laughs> we were a little uh-huh. challenged getting you on, but uh-huh. no no mas, no anxiety. <laughs> right. You know, I used to, I used to have, um, every time I started a new show, the very first show would also always bomb. Now, this isn't a new show. But the, and, and I'd be, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And then I realized, you know what? The worst has always happened. It's already happened. It's never going to be as bad as this. And they're only going to get better. So now I don't, I, don't, you know, I don't stress over it anymore. It's kind of funny how it works.
1: Yeah, it's pre-disastered.
0: Pre-disastered. <laughs> this, Fear Less, is a wonderful book. It's, it's a funny book. You've got a great sense of humor.
1: Thank you. You know, there's a saying uh, out here in Hollywood, funny is money.
0: Yeah, well, it, it, it must be. And it must be selling like, like hotcakes. Um, I, I just loved it. But th- this isn't so funny. But, you know, it, one of the first lines you write in the book is, we look to the world our children will inherit and wonder if it will be the Jetsons or Mad Max. And, you know, I've often thought of it like that. It was crazy. Like, it was like you took it right out of my brain. And yeah. and I really worry about the legacy that we're leaving. I, you know, yeah. it's, it's as stewards, we didn't do a very
1: good job. Uh, things are crazy out there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's always been crazy. You know, ancient Rome had all kinds of crazy going on. Um, but just in some ways, when things seem to be getting kind of smooth and there seemed to be some growing consensus about, you know, what are ways to – to run our society in a way that's going to be progressive and helpful and how can we kind of all get along and and all uh, find ways to, to move to better levels of prosperity and health and well-being and friendliness with each other. There seemed to be like we were getting some kind of rough consensus and now, you know, whatever side of the, the political tracks you're on, it's just Well, you know, the apple cart has definitely been upset. And, uh, you know, it's interesting, your statistics there about anxiety. One of the places where I teach workshops, I travel around the country a lot teaching workshops, pretty much wherever I'm invited. And I do go on college campuses. And the college counselors are telling me now, five years ago, the students were lining up to complain about depression. Now it's anxiety.
0: Yeah. 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 And,
1: and I've spoken to young people about this and they say we just don't know what's going on who we are where we're going what we're supposed to be doing it's it's like the ground has disappeared from under us
0: i I think that's that's correct you know they, they don't know what's going to happen they don't know what kind of a job they can have because those jobs are going to be gone and, and and everything is in a state of flux and you know I always say that change happens best in chaos and so that could be a good thing but it could you know but it feels like the dark ages you know have arrived almost uh mm-hmm. although you know there's a big awakening over here There's, right. you no know, people are going third to fifth as, as they say but over here it's like
1: mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. the heck is going and, on and, and of course the sages you know such as the buddha such as jesus have always pointed out that really everything's always in play that 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 nothing in this world is for sure. We have these these brief periods where, okay, we think we have brief periods in, our, in the life of a nation, in the life of the world, and in the life of an individual where we think, okay, I got it wired now. I've got it figured out. I know how things work. It's under control. And then, whoop, we step on the next banana peel.
0: So do you think it has anything to do with, you know, the media and and just how much media we have access to all the time and how addicted we are to it. And so that, you know, before, I mean, you might hear it once a week, but now you hear it 20 million times a day. And, and so that message got into our brain and it became, you know, this, this rat wheel thing or whatever.
1: Right. As a matter of fact, in the book, I quote a a letter that the great uh, Christian essayist and the author of the Narnia Chronicles, C.S. Lewis Wrote to a friend that's in right. that in 1946. So they had just been through all the horrors of World War II and seemed like, okay, that's starting to settle down. And then now we're going into the horrors of the, the nuclear age, 1946. And what he said to the friend in the letter, and I'm paraphrasing here. His language is beautiful, is that it's a lot of people feel that it's their duty to worry. Yeah. That, that we're in, he said, we're in a situation now, and that was brand new in 1946. He said, where all the troubles of the world arrive in our morning newspaper. And he said, I feel that it's not our duty to worry about things that we can't do anything about. He said, I think it's our duty to attend to the poor and the sick and the unfortunate in our own village. And that, in fact, worrying about the global situation that you can't do anything about can be an excuse. Yes. A, 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 an alternative to doing the things that we can do to the, for the people who are close to us.
0: A number of people have said that since, yeah, and I, you know, I, I remember, um, you know, some of them saying that and, and I, I, I Took that lesson, and I don't watch the news. And you know, yesterday I said something, and my husband said to me, "Well, how do you know that you don't watch the news?" I like, go, "Stuff filters through. You know, you're gonna hear it somewhere. You're gonna hear something, right?" But yeah. but I just felt like, especially after nine one one, or you know nine eleven, when when everything went crazy, and and the images of the planes over and over and over, I thought the whole world went negative. The whole world just like. Yeah. It just brought all this negativity and it was so heavy and so yeah. hard to get rid of. And, and, you know, light workers or whatever you want to call them, you know, sent out love and sent out stuff and right. tried to, to smear this away. But right. it's like sludge.
1: Right. Feels and, like by, sludge. And, and and well, two, two things about that. One thing is just by the way we say the whole world went crazy after 9-11. You know, that was a loss of innocence for the United States. Yeah. A lot of countries... That have been, they've been getting their buildings <laughs> knocked down True. for decades, you know. And so just it was a little a loss perspective of it. there for, for, you know, we had our time at the top of the, of the, the wheel of fortune. And now it's kind of, okay, welcome to the club down here. Yeah, yeah. Um, th- the other thing is that I have a chapter in the book titled, Would It Help?, Mm-hmm. and and yeah. i took that title from the line a, a steven spielberg film 2015 bridge of spies true story of Rudolf abel he was a soviet spy captured in new york in 1950 something and he's on trial for his life and fortunately his lawyer is tom hanks so you know that probably things aren't going to be too bad. And in their first jailhouse meeting, Tom Hanks says, listen, don't talk to anyone else. I'm your lawyer. No one else has your interest at heart. The Russians want you you to go to the electric chair. The Americans want you to go to the electric chair. You're a, a very inconvenient person. And Abel thinks about it for a moment. And then he says, all right. And Tom Hanks says, you don't seem worried. And <laughs> he considers that for a moment. And he says, he kind of shrugs. He says, would it help?
0: Exactly. Yeah. And
1: that that's a very powerful mantra.
0: Is a very powerful mantra. Yeah. And yeah, you know, like, I, 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 I get fear every now and then. I don't like to fly. But my dad was always, he's a fatalist. You know, if it's going to happen. It's going to happen.
1: Yeah, is stuff that's going to happen is going to there, oh. happen. There, there's another great uh, kind of a version of the same idea, would it help, which I quote in the book from the 6th century Buddhist philosopher or sage, really, Shanti Deva, who said, if there's a solution to the problem, what's the point of worrying?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: If there's no solution to the problem, what's the point of worrying?
0: <laughs> it's true. Sometimes if you worry, you can get the solution. Yeah, you know, well, actually,
1: actually, if you look around and then consider things, you get the solution. Yeah. And, 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 no, it's a, I'm really glad that you brought up that point because so many people, while they're thinking about the thing, looking around the thing, worry becomes a component so that they think that worry is a necessary component. Right. And in fact, what worry does is it clouds our vision. It clouds our vision. Now, the the next question becomes, well, therefore, should I suppress my worry? Most people will think, okay, I, there's only two alternatives I know about. One is to be overwhelmed by my worry, and the other is to suppress it. Now, suppress means press down. Then we're just pressing it down into our body where it becomes, you know, ulcer or backache or, sure. or you know, something like that. Um, the third way is what the Buddhists call upaya, skillful means. You find some skillful meditative technology that's not getting caught up in the stuff, and it's not suppressing it either. Uh, one of the and, and I give several of those in the book. One which actually is uh, uh, Oprah is running it on her website. She's, this excerpt's running on oprah.com. Nice uh, is is a very simple thing. It's a two-page. I'd like to write short chapters because people have short attention spans. <laughs> So do I. Um, so this is, a, I think, a two-page chapter, and it's titled Breathe Through Your Feet. You know um, what?
0: When, I'm just going to yeah, stop you there for please. a moment, because I, I, every time I, I read that, I think of, it should be a Paul Simon song, Breathing Through the Souls of Your Feet.
1: Uh, yeah, oh yeah. right. Done. <laughs> breathing Through the soles, soles of Our of feet. feet. Right. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. So <laughs> but this, is, this is so simple. And, and, and you and I and anyone who's watching this or listening to this can, can do this right now. It's so simple. First, just put your attention to the soles of your feet. Now, there's, notice there's no effort. As soon as you think soles of the feet, that's it. Wait, am I feeling the soles of my feet or imagining them? Not quite sure. It doesn't matter. Imagine slash feel the soles of your feet. Then, as you're breathing in, just breathing in through the soles of your feet. Imagine, feel that as you're breathing out, breathing out through the soles of the feet. Now, maybe you're breathing slow. Maybe breathing fast. Maybe deep. Maybe shallow. Thoughts are going on at the same time. Great. Noises are going on at the same time. Great. We're not trying to concentrate or focus. We're just breathing in through the soles of the feet, breathing out through the soles of the feet. Let's just take a moment. Okay, that's simple. <clears throat> and what most people notice after just a few moments of that, you notice you feel a little cooled out, things feel a little, little settled, a little more calm. grounded. Yeah, you're more grounded. You, you can't be complete if you're breathing through the soles of your feet. You can't be totally caught up in the anxiety, the rage, the addictive craving, whatever else is going on. So if you're on the highway, the guy cuts you off, you're just about to, you know, flip Pop him some, some gesture that's going to be a really bad idea. Uh, <laughs> because through your feet. people react in really, really bad ways. Uh, you take Especially one, in California. Yes, yes. You say you take one moment. Okay, let, okay, I'll flip them off in a second. But first, let me breathe through my feet for a moment, and then that creates some space. Yeah. Uh, and then within that space, you've got more freedom and more clarity to to make a better choice. And and you're not feeling so caught up, so compelled. You know, I do work in prisons. I teaching meditation in prison. I've dealt with guys who who are locked up for thirty years for something they did in one moment. Yeah. Which, if they've b- taken a moment to breathe through their feet, they might not have done it.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and what's interesting though, but is that natural meditation? Now I've just meditated. I breathe through my feet, and I meditated.
1: That's one form of natural. Hallelujah! Meditation.
0: Yeah, <laughs> we it, it, did it.
1: it. Yeah, it is. It's that simple. And and I want to emphasize this word "natural" because most people think of meditation as it's like oh, pushing a big rock up a mountain. They think of it as another task. Now, my previous book, the award-winning Natural Wait, <laughs> Meditation, the picture that's on the cover, it's the opposite of pushing a rock up a mountain. It's a feather floating down from the sky. Okay, When a feather floats down from the sky, there's no work being involved. And it reaches the ground in 100% of cases because gravity works. OK, the gravity of human consciousness is we're, be, we're always in every moment, not just in meditation, in everything we do, we are gravitating toward greater fulfillment, greater happiness, greater peace. You know, when you when you walk up to the counter at the Ben and Jerry's and OK, you know, which flavor do I want? I know which flavor you want. You want nirvana flavor. Yeah. but it's right you want the kingdom of heaven within you want what i call i i like to use plain american language infinite okayness
0: yes i like right? that
1: one you want that infinite okayness but it's not on the menu so you you settle for cherry garcia all right so what i do in the in the previous book and also there's a section in this book on uh, the new book fear less on natural meditation so and what I do is I walk you through how to kind of pull the rug out from under all your old concepts of meditation as one more task, how to just slip into it. Also, if people go to my website, uh, there's a sec- a page there which is headed Meditate Now, where I have guided meditation audio tracks. Or you do, at
0: DeanWords.com. You right. guys can go there and 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 play with him there. And it's really good. One one thing that you said in the book, which I thought was was very adept, was um somebody was talking to you about meditating and how 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 they were, you know, trying to get an extra five minutes in or whatever, and you go they're working hard at it and you're like, You don't work at, like don't work. It's not work. work. If it's work, work, you're doing it wrong. Yeah,
1: right? yeah, yeah. do just don't, just don't work. Do, be yeah. Just just be, which sounds simple, and it is simple, but often it, 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 people find it baffling. Wait, how can I just be? How, it, it seems actually too simple. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: Well, let's, seems... let's, let's look at you for a moment then. You yeah. know, here you are. You're, I think I read that, that your your parents um, were atheists. Yeah. So it's natural that you're going to find, you know, something, look for something because everybody's right. got a phone, right? Right. But you you went around the globe you you know you found your spiritual masters and you talked and you talked and you learned and you and and whatever why did you work so hard at it or look for more when it was just so simple
1: i i never worked hard at it i'm way too lazy for that <laughs> okay. no really i i am you know and i say this and people think well i'm just kind of making a rhetorical point but but no ask my wife i am lazy <laughs>
0: well i know you like the hammock
1: I like, yes, right, I've seen that photo. Um, And uh, the thing is, when I, in in fact, the the experiences of kind of inner opening, I didn't even go after them at first. They came to me. I had some spontaneous experiences in childhood with that word, whoa, uh, what's that? And, you know, some people have, I think actually a lot of people have that, but then they don't have a vocabulary for it. So they just think, oh, childhood was a happy time or, or they forget about it. And in, in my case, I was intellectually inquisitive enough that I've always been inquisitive. uh, And I've always read a lot.
0: Were you Um, only child? Sorry.
1: uh, No, no. I was one of four. Okay. I was one of four. Um, and i was in the middle uh i had an of older course, brother a and younger drummer. brother and sister later so being in the middle you know you learn fancy footwork and how to get along with people and uh you you you're not going to be the the tough guy at the top and you're not going to be the baby at the bottom so okay how do i how do i adapt how do i make my way um, so I started looking around and found in in high school. And when I was in high school, the, the the all these books were not so readily available as they are now. But I I started finding books that, oh, this these things I've experienced this this just wonderful, delicious expansiveness, this infinite okayness, it, there are names for it. You know, people call it Samadhi or Satori or Nirvana or, the, you know, the kingdom of heaven within or the form of the good, Socrates called it. And, um, and it's, people have known about it for thousands of years. And yeah, sometimes it just happens out of left field like it had happened for me. But also people have developed, developed methods over the centuries for accessing it systematically. So sitting down every day and falling into it. And the, the real key is that as you do that, more and more, it we could say it sticks to you. It's like you take a dry sponge, you throw it into a bucket of water, the sponge comes out wet. You do that enough times, this particular sponge, after a while, it never dries out again. So then you're walking around in that, in that I don't want to say state, that reality of infinite okayness, all the time, as you're taking care of business, and 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 as that starts to dawn in your life, you can, if you've been, you know, reading the the gospels or reading the Buddhist texts and so forth, you can go back and see, oh, that's what these guys were talking about now it makes sense now now i've 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 gotten some flavor of that in my own life so and, if if i follow
0: your words if i follow your advice in your book and i breathe through my feet and i do the other things that you've got in there i should begin to feel okay i should begin to feel connected yeah, to the universe yeah. i should begin to feel
1: you can say some, that
0: something and if i don't i'm doing any, it wrong
1: but there's well you, 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 I, 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 don't, I, I don't like to talk in terms of doing it wrong. Uh, I mean, you see, you know, I, I put this stuff out there, and I've been so fortunate that I've gotten, uh, I've had the opportunities to teach this stuff with prisoners, with kids at a very fancy prep school who were getting ready to go to Ivy League colleges. One of my former students just a couple of months ago, won the Jeopardy tournament of champions, won the quarter million dollars. And I was, I was in the studio audience. It was so much fun. And he told me afterward, he said, at that level of play, pretty much all the contestants know pretty much all the answers. Everyone's fast on the buzzer. What makes the difference is being cool is being Mm. Mm centered, and that, and that he was more cool and centered than the other two guys. So makes sense. Yeah. So I've had the opportunity to to teach the stuff to all kinds of people and find out what works. How can I bulletproof the instructions? Yeah, so yeah. it's really and and just make it simple, 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 but still effective, and so that it's to, it's really kind of impossible to do it wrong because it's you don't really do it; it does you. You know, there's a chapter you may have seen, I have in the book, called The Sweetest Dog in the yeah, World. Yeah, I want to
0: talk about The Sweetest Dog in the World. That's a great chapter. Isn't and it fun? Yeah, and, and you have a picture of my dog there. Thanks for that.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: great, yeah. yeah. So you know, you, have, you live with the sweetest dog in the world. I do. And, and, and it's the, the ideal listener. So in that exercise, and for people who are not so fortunate to, to have Frankie's dog, you just sit down, you close your eyes. You imagine the sweetest dog in the world is there in the room with you. And whatever your problem is, whatever your story is, the thing that's got you caught up in fear or anxiety or rage or addiction, you, mentally you tell the story. You just, you tell it to the dog, tell it to the pooch. And the pooch being the ideal listener never interrupts, never, <laughs> never cuts in with, oh, well, what happened to me, <laughs> you know, never disagrees, never agrees, just takes it all in and loves you and just takes it all into his sweet doggy heart and absorbs it. So you do that, just unload, unload, unload your story till it's all unloaded. Then you take a breather, open your eyes, take a walk around the block, sit down again. Now you do it a second time. And this is where the first time is great. That's really all you need. But if you really want to go deep, really want to go profound, the second time, you are the dog. You close your eyes and imagine you're the dog looking out at the world through those sweet doggy eyes. And you look around the room and, oh, there's your dear human friend, the one you love so much. And, oh, she's so troubled. Come on, Frankie. Tell me your story, and just go ahead. I have no idea what you're saying. It's all waka 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 to me. <laughs> but I can see your trouble. Just I can absorb it all through my doggy eyes and into my doggy heart, where I just explode it out into air, explode it out into space. And you, you know, it, it's hard to quote do that wrong. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And it's just, it's just fun. You know, awakening should be fun. It should not be grim. <laughs> You know the the Buddha the Buddha came to eliminate suffering, not to add more suffering. And if your spiritual practice or your meditative practice, whatever it is, is bringing more suffering into your life, then you're doing it wrong.
0: Right, right. I want to talk about a funniest. Oh, I just love this so much. Um, RBF. No. <laughs>
1: Right. Resting right.
0: bitch face. Let's talk right. about that chapter. That's hilarious. Okay.
1: So, as you know, there's this meme that's been popular online for the last few years called resting bitch face, where internet trolls find pictures usually of female celebrities when they're off camera, off duty, and they're just resting with their, you know, they're not doing the usual smiling for the camera, and they go, "Oh, look, it's the resting bitch face." Okay. You know, the the trolls in their usual, you know, gallantry.
0: <laughs> yeah, so, so sweet, so nice, right. so kind.
1: So, so, so what I've done with that phrase is I've flipped it around and I've got a chapter in the book called Resting Bliss Face. Right. Resting Bliss Face. And this is based on uh, a scientific phenomenon that was first actually investigated by Charles Darwin, uh, okay. which is called the Facial Feedback Hypothesis. And essentially what it says is that your face reflects your moods, but also your moods will reflect your face. So that if you're feeling joy, naturally you'll smile. But also, if you smile, that tends to trigger joy. Mm-hmm. So what I do is I walk you through, um, you know, just to plaster doing this, you know, it doesn't work. You have to start with the eyes. Just, you know, oh, feel what a real smile feels like, like the sun rising behind your eyes and the corners of your eyes start to kind of pull up and back like the corners of your mouth. And then after a while, the mouth just says, okay, I'll go along with it. Right. And, and, and then a shortcut, the really easy way to do it is there's, is the, there's the, the, the smiling mantra. Here's this, here's the smiling mantra. And everyone knows mantras like, which is also great, but here's the smiling mantra. Ready? Here we go. One, two, three. (laughs) hard, hard not to feel happy going. No, no, you get up at that. So, and it's good to like identify the choke points in your life. Where are the the times of the day where you start to feel choked up with stress, with anxiety, whatever it is. And, you know, for some people it's when they first get up in the morning and they just, feel okay. And you're not going to feel like, even if you don't feel like it, especially when you don't feel like it, So good, sit up in bed or wherever you are behind your desk at work, close the door, whatever, and go. And you have to throw your hands up. You've got the mantra and the mudra with the hands. So it's one, two, three. With total abandon. Do that three times and then try to be depressed. I double dog dare you.
0: I double dog dare you. You know, I know that it works. I did laughter yoga. You know, I was, te- uh-huh. I taught laughter yoga for a while and even like, I mean, you start off with a fake laugh, but you, but somewhere it just becomes so infectious and you've got this deep belly laugh going and you can't even breathe because you're laughing so damn hard and right. it's so fun and so funny and right. it's infectious and it's wonderful. Yeah. Like really, like you yeah. just feel so good.
1: It is. It is. Yeah. yeah.
0: So I get that. I get that. And and yeah, double dare you everybody. Tomorrow morning, wake up three times. Wee. And if you're, if you're not feeling a little bit better, then, you know, there's a line in your book. It's a prayer. And I don't, I don't know who said it because um, I didn't get who quoted it. But it, was, it says, may all my actions be motivated by love instead of fear. And I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. You can't love and fear at the same time, you know, um, on, one, on one level, on the level of emotions, uh, that's the case on the level where fear is an emotion, love is an emotion. There's also a deeper level, you know, again, in the, in the gospels, um, uh, it says, you know, perfect love casts out fear. Mm. Perfect. So that's the deep level, perfect love. What does perfect love mean? Perfect love means non separateness, you know, perfect love, complete love. Actually the word that's used there is, I think, uh, um, teleos or some form of the greek word teleos which is like from the same root as telescope like fully extended love okay love in its full extension is actually to discover that you and i are not two separate distinct things but we're part of one bigger thing you know the the jamaicans have this wonderful expression instead of saying we they say i and i I and I, I and I are having this lovely talk on Facebook live right now. You know? I like that. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful. And that actually become it, it, even just hearing it, it. Can you feel there's something in us that says yes to that? Somehow we know that that must be the, it should be the case. And experientially you start doing some of these meditative practices, this natural settling into our inner silence and you start to see, Oh, that same inner silence that's at my core is at Frankie's core and is at everyone's core where I thought I was this little separate wave and that, that you're this separate wave over there. And there's this, this distance between us. But as I sink into my core in so-called meditation, I say so-called because it's not really work. it's, It's a letting go. So as I sink into meditation, my little wave, I'm sinking into noticing Oh, at my base I'm ocean. And the more I do that, the more I realize, oh, you're an expression of the same ocean. Where there's and there's only one ocean around here, and it's just, you know, this through this one over here called Dean and this one over here called Frankie, we're just waving. Fish <laughs> in the ocean. <laughs> we're saying, Hi, I and I. <laughs>
0: Hi, I and I. The- yeah, now,
1: and and when you're and when you're you're living that, right. how can you not love? Right. There's no separateness. And then love is not an emotion. It's not something that like meditation. Then love is not something you do. It's just, oh, this is what's going on. This is what we are.
0: You talk about, um, and it's great that you talked about a woman in the book who was worried because she would fall asleep. And, and I think Buddha said that. I don't remember who said it was wonderful maybe it was the the Dalai Lama
1: the Dalai Dalai Lama says yes (laughs) sleep is the best form of meditation this happens to me all the time again I travel all over the country doing meditation workshops that's another word I don't like workshop but we seem to be stuck with it because it's not work it's not a shop it should be playground
0: playground (laughs) I always say come play in my sandbox
1: yeah that's it um and, I, and I hear this all the time, you know, when I, I'll lead the first meditation in a session and someone raises their hand, they have the sheepish look on their face. And I always know when I see that look, they're going to say, Oh, I fell asleep. And I would say, Yeah. And so, and what's the problem? And they're always shocked because for some reason, there's this big mythology that, oh, if you fall asleep in meditation, the meditation police come and lock you up or or something. You've done some mortal sin. You didn't, didn't get the say, message. Fun, I was sleeping. The say, a bunch of Marys or something. <laughs> uh, but no, if you, if you, again, the word natural, if you fall asleep in natural meditation, it's an indication that you need some sleep. And in fact, the sleep that comes in, in natural meditation tends to be very, it's launched from that just deep level of ease. So it tends to be very concentrated, very healing. And because I'm on airplanes a lot, I get jet lagged a lot. If I can fall asleep for five minutes of meditation, it's just, oh, hallelujah. It's great.
0: You said that you could fall, that, that, not fall asleep, but you, could, you meditate on the New York subway.
1: Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Yeah, because, and again, that's another thing. People think, oh, I have to have a quiet place. No, I like to, I'm really happy that now here where I live, the weather's getting warmer. So when I conduct our group sessions, which if you happen to be in the Los Angeles area, by the way, uh, I'm in Santa Monica and we have open public sessions. They're free, open to everyone every other Tuesday night. And the, the information's on my website. Um, and so I'm really happy the weather's gotten warmer. So in our, Tuesday night session uh, this week I had all the windows open so people can hear the barking dogs and the traffic going by and go, great. I, because if it's too quiet, people will think, oh, well, when I'm, you know, at Dean's place and it's nice and quiet, I can meditate there, but not in the world. It doesn't matter. Sounds are supposed to be there. Colors are supposed, you know, whether your eyes are open or closed, it's, you know, when they're open, you see one set of colors. When they're closed, there's, there's different colors here behind the eyelids. There's always stuff there. There's always phenomena bouncing around within this space of awareness. The space, it's like different breezes going back and forth in the sky. The sky doesn't care. sky's got room for everything. And what I point out to people is that your awareness is like open space. It's like open sky. You just rest as that, and the stuff goes back and forth frictionlessly the stuff comes and goes frictionlessly within your space like sky like awareness and you let it come and go and just rest as awareness it's that simple
0: and you can have eyes open or closed
1: yeah most people at the beginning are going to want to do it with eyes closed not because you absolutely have to but because people think you have to so yeah that's fine that's fine god bless uh, more and more it doesn't matter if your eyes are closed or open more and more. It doesn't matter if you're sitting or standing more and more. It doesn't matter if you're
0: Well, walking is a great form of meditation. Yeah.
1: And I've got a, I've got a chapter on that. Uh, the title, I I like to steal my titles from, you know, pop songs and blues songs. This one I stole from, uh, the great blues man, Robert Lockwood Jr. So this, this chapter is titled, come on, take a little walk with me. Uh, and yeah, so it can be walking, it can be standing in line at the pharmacy to, to, um, you know, get your prescription filled. You know how the person ahead of you always has some damn problem that goes on for 15 minutes while you're standing there going, come on. Now, have you ever noticed that that come on doesn't work? (laughs)
0: Yeah, it slows down,
1: right? Yeah, yeah. It's so, so you have a choice. You can keep doing what you've always done, you know, knocking your head against the thing you can't change, or you can say, okay, mellow. Time to (laughs) meditate. (laughs) Time time (laughs) to stand here and just be. Time to stand here and breathe through my feet, or if I'm really, you know, really pissed at this situation, you know, mentally tell it to the dog, or just even just sit here and rest as awareness. And okay, all this stuff going on is... The stuff coming and going within my skylike awareness, and settle into that.
0: Nice, yeah, I like that. Opportunities. Nice. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, it's it, the day is just a series of opportunities to to wake up. It's all a little alarm clocks telling us time to wake up.
0: I found an interesting the the chapter on the fire hose. Mm-hmm. Um, you taught it to the guys in the prison. You said guys who can't read even or you
1: know, some of them,
0: some of them got through high school, whatever the the case might be, but it's, it's a hundred word chant syllable or word
1: hundred, hundred syllable Syllable mantra mantra in Tibet from from Tibetan Buddhism. Right. Right. And,
0: and (laughs) um, and what I like about it is that it, it it clears out karmic residue and that means that you have to believe in karmic residue. I, I love to have these conversations.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But you don't have to believe in anything. You, know, the, you know, have the, to believe
0: in it. I believe you know. in it. So I think that was cool that it could, you know, wipe Right, away.
1: right. My favorite, my favorite words of the Buddha were where he says, ehi pasiko, which means come and see. Mm-hmm. The Buddha was teaching scientific method. Not come and believe, not come and theorize, not come and do, you know, cosmic metaphysical speculation. Try something, see what happens, if it seems to benefit you and the world around you, maybe you want to do it some more. So um, yeah, this, this hundred syllable mantra, and there's also a shorter six syllable version of it, which most people will will want to uh, do at least at first because it's easier. And then if you really love it um, going, I, you know, I had a situation a few years ago where uh, a longtime friend of mine committed suicide. Oh, sorry. And uh, a few days later, I and his wife and a couple of close friends went into the room where he did it and we sat there and we chanted that hundred syllable mantra and it was so great to, to be able to do that. And, and I, to me, it's not a woo thing or a magical thing. It's just, okay. You know, maybe it's psychological. I don't know, but it just, especially his, his wife, his widow, she felt so much better afterward that there was a feeling of something we could do to, to clear the air.
0: Now, interesting enough, your late wife, you play, she, she taught this method and yes. you played her teaching it at her own funeral.
1: At her own funeral. That's so,
0: that's amazing.
1: Yeah. It, it, it was incredible. Um, she, she specialized in, um, uh, she was also a, a meditation teacher, and she used to teach at these Buddhist retreats where she would lead the chanting of this hundred-syllable mantra that would sometimes, you know, go on for hours. It was, it was incredible. And um, uh, when she died, uh, yeah, we, we, a couple days after she died, one of her students found an audio cassette of her leading it, which I didn't know existed. And I said, great. So we, we played it at the funeral and we didn't announce it. we just, because in the Tibetan teachings, they say that when someone has died, especially someone who's a, a, a meditator, the best thing you can do for them to kind of help them move on to wherever the heck you go to next is to kind of help clean out the old house that they're vacating yeah. is yeah. you, you chant this, this mantra.
0: You talk about death and dying in the book and the difference between being dead and dying. Yeah. yeah. But let's talk about that for a moment.
1: Yeah. Well, the title of that chapter is The Valley of the Shadow, which, of course, comes from the 23rd Psalm. You know, Lo, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I, I will not fear. The word shadow is important there. Because and I, I start the chapter by talking about as you mentioned earlier you know my in my parents' house there was no spiritual teaching no religion so when I was about seven years old and it just really hit me oh my God I am gonna die it's not theoretical it's not a paper you're writing for school this kid Dean tossing and turning here sweating uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna and I had this this vivid vision of me planted under the ground. Again, there was some kind of withered tree above me, and people walking around six feet above my head with no idea that I was down there, and just the world going on without me. And oh, that just scared the poo out of me. It, it was just horrible. And of course, it was great because that helped eventually, you know, spur my search. Um, the thing is, dying, as you say, that is something that we can experience.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And if you have done some meditative practice it's actually rather familiar because dying in in the best of worlds it's a process of letting go mm-hmm. right what happens is okay your the body starts to go away the senses start to go away the, the all your your thoughts all your emotions all that starts to go away well that happens every time you meditate so in that sense in that context meditation is dying practice and it's really good to do the fire drill before the fire you know so many people the first the, the when when dying physical dying starts to kick in it's the very first time they've ever dealt with all this stuff going away so many people are have they just opt out of ever Experiencing silence. The moment they get in their car, they turn on the, the music, they turn on the chatter, they, they, they're, they're never alone. Right. Um, and so it's really great to have had some practice in, in dying, or in just letting go. Now, so the dying part becomes familiar. Oh, nothing wrong with that. Nothing. I've experienced that, and that's okay. It's actually beautiful, it's refreshing. Now, that leaves death. Now death is a non experience. You don't have to worry about what it's going to be like to experience death because no one ever you don't experience death. The the and this is brings in the shadow. The problem is not death, it's the sh- the mental shadow, the worrying that we do from the perspective of living. You know right. this whole thing, oh I'm going to be lying there 6 feet under the ground, but there's no you know D- dead dean experiencing that it's live dean tossing and turning in his bed worrying about it that's the shadow i hear the sweetest dog in the world in the no house. that's
0: not the sweetest dog in the world okay. barking. that's the other, dog. That's the, other <laughs> dog that's the one with the bitch face <laughs>
1: <laughs> got it
0: i put her in her kennel so she wouldn't bark some- um sorry uh yeah that Death is, you know, people, I've had a lot of talks about death on this show, on different really? shows and di- di- different, you know, some say death is very painful. Like when people transition, it can be very painful on the body, uh, which sounds sad. And, mm-hmm. and they talk about, you know, what going when they leave and where you end up going uh, is where you, where you, ex- where you think you're going to go, you know? So it's the thoughts that you have about where you might be going is where you kind of end up going. Who knows? I haven't died well i have died many times probably but yeah, you know you not, don't remember not that. not
1: that not that you clearly recall not that you can uh, recall yeah. right now the thing is that uh the you know the 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 great traditions and the tibetan tr- tradition is very strong in this um is uh that there's what they call the bardo the the intermediate states so any, so when people describe, okay, you go to this place, this thing happens, this thing happens, these are different descriptions, uh, as far as I can see, of particular Bardo experiences. And the Bardo being a transitional thing, being still some phenomena, some stuff going on, is going to be different for different people. You know, to say it's painful, coming out of the body is painful... Well that might depend on the person if it's the first time you've ever come come out of the body you know if you haven't practiced meditating and just gently kind of melting out of the sense of being localized inside a body inside of time and space then it might be like oh like a ah, suddenly cracking through an eggshell whereas if you've had some done some practice every day for a few minutes of just melting just dissolving then Oh, you know, it's uh, okay. I got this. I've done this. This is familiar.
0: Yeah, I I can see that. I can see that. Yeah.
1: I mean, it may be arrogant because I also have never died that I can clearly, you you know, recollect. So I'm kind of arrogantly sitting here saying, okay, we got this under control. But, um, you know, coming back to my first wife, Maggie. Because, you know, in that sense, yeah, dying is the final exam. She aced that exam. Okay. For one thing, uh, she was dying of colon cancer. Oh, and she would go that's for- horrible. Yeah, yeah it, is, it is. And she'd go for, I mean, her poor body went through so many indignities. And I remember her at one point looking up at me from her hospital bed and saying, how do people who don't meditate deal with this stuff? And I just said, I don't know. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, But when she would come in for chemo, and chemo, you know, you sit there. And so, oh, she said, I know how to sit. That's called meditation. And the people on the staff there were so impressed by her grace and her balance and her sense of humor and the way she just was not overwhelmed by things. They wound up bringing her back. They had her teach the whole oncology staff to meditate. Wow. Yeah, it was really beautiful. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I you know my stepmom died of uh, pancreatic cancer, and it you know you see it's similar and it's Mm -hmm. but it was interesting because just just before she passed, she was very luminous, like there was this luminous peace, you know.
1: Yeah, like wow. Yeah, you know, my older brother uh, died a few years ago of of lung cancer. Um, He was a lifetime smoker. And he was only two years older than me, but he looked a lot older than me because, you know, he had a lifetime of smoking. I had a lifetime of meditation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, he was, he was a wonderful person, but you know, that, that happened to be the, the, the path in this life. And, um, when he died, that same, th- exactly what you're describing, you could just see he would, he became luminous, all the stress, even the lines in his face they all just fell away and it's such a privilege to be around that and yeah. to see that and you go what whatever i'm looking at there that does not look like something to be afraid of
0: and i remember like you said when you were a little boy you know you were afraid to die and i was afraid of, of not not the death part itself but just the i won't be here anymore like that's so so mind blowing that i will not be here anymore like this, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And it's hard to imagine not being here. It's hard to imagine everything going on without you.
1: Yeah. Uh, and again, because we're trying to imagine it from the point of view of being an individual in time and space, imagining things going on. with. But, but here's the thing that may be helpful. You actually experience that every night when you go to sleep. When you right. go into the state of, I mean, there's dreaming. That's one thing. But when you drop into the state of dreamless sleep, right? You've dropped out of. There's no time. There's yes. no space. There's no thoughts. You're not a Democrat or a Republican. You're not. You're <laughs> I'm not a Canadian. Or, it Canadian. <laughs> I, I
0: plead the fifth. <laughs> it,
1: it, it all it all it, it it all goes away. Yes. Now we think of that as absence of awareness. Yes but as you continue to do these these meditative practices more and more you realize it's not really absence of awareness it's as one of my teachers put it it's awareness of absence yes it's it, it's 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 like and this happens because it happens in meditation as well it it's like the, there's no long. There's not a movie playing on the screen at the moment, but the screen is still switched on. The screen is still glowing. The screen is still luminous.
0: Yeah. But yeah. but
1: at rest, luminous rest, luminous mm-hmm. emptiness, empty luminosity. That's what we dip into in meditation. You can taste it, can't you? Just yeah. some words, and that and and that more and more becomes what we dip into when we sleep. That's why people love sleep, and and what all the great traditions say is death is the same thing, exactly. Nothing to worry about. And isn't it interesting that even if we've never studied about the life of the Buddha or Jesus or Socrates or Mao Tzu somehow we know, intuitively we know, that wherever those people were coming from, whatever it was they knew, they knew death is not a problem.
0: Mm.
1: They, they're not, they, they didn't have a bunch of anxiety about dying.
0: But we have an anxiety about a whole bunch of other stuff, mm-hmm. <laughs> hence this book, Fear yes. Less. Yeah. And Dean's, Dean's website is, is um, deanwords.com. And right. you go there and look at, at that. You, you know what? I, was, I wanted to, if you had fun and you enjoyed it, um, I wanted to invite you to come back because you have a book. Um, you've got a book titled... Hang on, let me see if I can find it. I, wrote, I did write myself. I know,
1: I know the titles. <laughs> what is it? Okay,
0: Cinema Nirvana.
1: I knew you were going to say that. That one's fun.
0: It's fun. And I, every, at the end of every month, I have a, a, um, a media critic who comes on. He, he, he's a good radio you know, media networks correspondent. And we talk about the movies. Now, he's got three books about conscious cinema. And we talk about ah. these movies. And yeah. I, I told him about your book. And he, he said, I think I read his book a long time ago. Is it an older book?
1: yes 2005
0: and and he's i said wouldn't it be fun to have the two of you and what talk about great movies how let's great would it. that have be a lot of fun let's do it let's do it okay we'll do it the, it's always the last thursday of every month you can choose let me know and and we'll we'll do it okay it'll be fun we'll do a whole great. show
1: great, yeah. great great great.
0: yeah i love it. Good. it it's so interesting and like you know he, he uses movies to show the law of attraction at work and um and how you can look at life and, through movies. And I think, it's, I think it's wonderful, really. So Cinema Nirvana is about?
1: Yes. Enlightenment lessons from the movies. And when I started writing that book, people told me, oh, okay, so you're going to write about the Matrix and you're going to write about. And they mentioned all this stuff that, that's like really obvious. So yeah. I made it a point not to write about any <laughs> of because that's too easy. If other people were seeing spiritual teachings or enlightenment teachings in those films, then you, there's nothing for me to so do. So there's that's, no
0: Karate Kid in that, there.
1: That's <laughs> the right, That's the low hanging fruit. Yeah. So, so I write about Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Okay. Jaws, um, the Godfather, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Wow. Okay. You know, all this and the final... Chapter, of course, had to be Casablanca.
0: Nice. So, nice. Always
1: in Paris. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. uh And, yeah, that book is really – I had so much fun writing that.
0: That's so hilarious. I love yeah. it. I wrote a book called No Bull Allowed, and it's a relationship book, but I used song titles. So it was like 47 song titles of love and relationships, from beginning, middle, and ends of relationships. <laughs> uh, yeah,
1: yeah. No, I do a lot with song. In fact, yeah. my first book, which is uh, – is called why the chicken crossed the road and other hidden enlightenment teachings. And I have a whole section there of pop songs. And again, I took the pop songs that you never think uh, have enlightenment teachings in them. So it's uh Hey, Hey, we're the monkeys. I can't get no satisfaction. Uh, the old Roy Rogers song, happy trails to you. And, and show it, it's, it's all in there.
0: Yeah. Wow. I love that. I, that's such a it's such an interesting and fun topic to talk about. So you know the cell phone, this this evolution revolution of the, you said that you love Steve Jobs, and uh, you're so happy for it. But it is a distraction, and more and more so. I worry about it. I you know I'm as addicted as anybody else, but I worry about it now. As you know, my my children are grown, but I I go to dinner, I go to plays, I, I go to the theater, and I and I look at couples sitting there individually sitting on their phones, not looking, talking to one another, not as a family out to dinner. Nobody's looking at their kids or speaking to their children. They're each on their phone. And this, this is like the most bizarre phenomenon I've I've experienced. Like why are other people, it's it's like when you go to a store and the phone rings and the salesperson stays on the phone for a very long time, you're sitting there with your money and and the object in your hand going, I want to buy it. I'm right here. Person on the phone, you don't even know if they're ever going to come in, but right. they give them more time and consideration than right. the person in front of them. Same yeah. with the cell phone. Yeah. The people on the phone that you're texting, you're looking have are, you're giving them more consideration than those in front of you. So, right. what are your thoughts on that?
1: Right. Well, first, let me clarify what you said. I love Steve Jobs. I'm very <laughs> grateful for. The, I mean, yeah, an iPhone, a cell phone is a miraculous object. It is. You know, I mean, the fact that I can, you know. be in seeing live video, live moving pictures of my kids and my grandkids in different parts of the country. It's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, And that I can, you know, look up words and look up facts and essentially the world's knowledge right there in the palm of my hand, along with a bunch of cat videos. Uh, you know, it's, it's great, but it's so fantastic that it's easy to be addicted to. And We're starting to see, for example, doctors are starting to report seeing the condition known as dowager's hump, you know, where old ladies, traditionally, they get like this where they're losing the calcium, they get like little humpback thing. Doctors are starting to see that in teenagers. Wow. From spending so much time looking down at the phone, because with your head at that typical 60 degree angle, it's the equivalent of putting, I think it's like 50 pounds of dead weight on your neck. Wow. Um, so there's a couple of simple things. One thing is when, if you're going to be on the phone, you know, hold it up more to eye level. That's just a simple practical thing. But the other thing, and I have a chapter on this titled, uh, meditating with the iPhone zero. So again, I like to take whatever's there and turn it around. Everything becomes a doorway into meditation, a doorway into settling into that place of infinite okayness.
0: Well, we can go to your website. We can listen to you
1: start us off. (laughs) That's right. right. So the way to do, how do we meditate with the iPhone zero? Well, you know that thing, when you get in the line at the pharmacy or you're standing in line for coffee or your your date goes to the bathroom and that thing where reflexively now, people, they put their hand in their pocket, they start to whip out the phone. Okay, let's see, do I have another email? Is there a news update? Something, give me something. Give me some stimulation. It's just a habit. Yeah. So very simply, the next time that happens and you're about to put your hand in your pocket, don't do it. <laughs> Tie yourself to the mast. Don't do it. Now, what's going to happen is you're going to feel this wave of anxiety. Like, but, 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 but maybe I'm missing something. But, but, but there's nothing going on. That's intolerable. How how can it be okay for me to stand here with nothing going on, just being? Right? But, but, but. Know that that's going to happen. That's supposed to happen. That's a necessary part of the experience. Now, what you do is you let that wave of anxiety roll over you and crash. You have to let it take its time until that wave passes. On the other side of that wave, you're going to experience something called peace, yeah. silence, okayness, ah, and rest in that. And if, you know, five minutes later, you whip out the phone, okay. But now you have poked a hole in the the, the thing's grip on you. Yeah. Now you've come a little bit more free from it. Again, that's why the book's not called Fearless. It's two words. Fear, Fear less. less. Addicta, addiction less. Less of all, just kind of poking holes in all these yeah. things. That, so that their grip on us is not so total.
0: And the sky didn't fall, Chicken Little. It's still yeah. okay. <laughs> the sky
1: didn't fall. You didn't die or get pregnant.
0: <laughs> like that's the worst thing that could happen, right? My daughter from the time she was like 12, her biggest thing was, and I'm not pregnant or I, I, I and she goes, and I'm pregnant. So I, I think it was like five Christmases ago. She's 30 now. I, I put uh pregnancy test in her. <laughs> just, okay. You're pregnant. Let's see. it. Give me proof. Right. Yeah. She's so funny Kids are hilarious. Um, Dean, what a, what a, what a treat it was to spend some time with you here. What a great really, book. Yeah. What a, what a treat. Like I remembered who it was now. It was, it was Wayne Dyer who said, if I can't change the news, I don't watch it.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. By the
1: way, I watch the news. Yeah. I, 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 you know, I came from a very political family. Uh, I, I, I read the New York times virtually every day. Um, but I, I just, uh, I'm able to do it just as it happens. I can do that, and and okay, there, you know, it it's it is what it is. Um, for a lot of people, especially these days, they can't. Then then don't do that.
0: Yeah, I can't see his face. You know,
1: for me, I do. not happen. To, I don't watch. I don't follow football. So I follow the news and stuff.
0: Yeah. Well, the one with the bad hair, it's really difficult to watch his face, his lying face. But you know, the I can see watching the news once. The problem is like CNN over and over and over the headlines over and over. And over.
1: Oh, yeah. I don't, yeah. Oh, I don't watch it on TV. I just, I read it. Oh, comments. you read
0: it. Okay. And it's different because then you can make up your own stuff in your head.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, actually, I actually don't like many people nowadays. I, I don't own a television. Nice. Uh, so I just, you know, I watch the movies online on, on my computer and yeah, it's great. Life is good. Life is good. Life I want to say Hakuna
0: Matata. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, life, life really is good and it really is possible no matter. And this is in a sense, what all the sages have said, whether they're, you know, coming, you know, it's the Buddha or Jesus or Lao Tzu is that no matter what's going on on the outside, you can access that place on the, what we call the inside. Uh, Eventually realize it's on the outside as well. You know, the gospel of Thomas in the gospel of Luke, Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is inside you. And then in the gospel of Thomas, he says the kingdom of heaven is also, it's spread out uh, uh, in the world and people are walking around and, and they don't see it. They don't see it. I know
0: what right. I wanted to ask you about. One more thing, yeah. and then we're going to go prayer. Mm-hmm. You know, prayer is a form of worry in a way for some people, dear God, mm-hmm. please don't make this, you know, please keep my children safe. Right. And, and everybody, you know, like, right. is that not a form of worry?
1: Uh, and yet it 's
0: powerful
1: well let me let, let me put it this way because the great teaching you know so many of the teachings that have been most important to me came from my first wife Maggie and the experience of her her sickness and her dying um, she was a uh, maybe a week or two uh, before she passed, and as I mentioned before, she was a Buddhist teacher and and she we got a call one day I was in the hospital room with her We got a call from a a friend who was connected with this Buddhist organization. He said, okay, I've been making some calls and I've arranged, I can bring these monks, these Buddhist monks into the hospital room and have them chant this particular thing for you. And and this guy was, you know, he was so sweet, so sincere, really excited about doing this for Maggie. And Maggie said, "Mm, you know what? No, thanks. That was not part of my practice during my life. So it it wouldn't be real for me. It, It would not be authentic. She said, my practice is just being without hope or fear. Mm. Just being without hope or fear. Now, everyone, wa- that's very profound because everyone wants to be without fear.
0: Right. But they
1: want to hold on to hope, right? You know, keep hope alive. Right. You, you hear that a lot. And, and a lot of people may not want to hear what I'm saying right now. This is kind of the postgraduate level. But for people who can hear this, this is a very liberative teaching, which is that hope is, in a sense, it's the flip side of fear. Hope and fear are both investments in a particular future outcome, Mm -hmm. right? Hope Mm -hmm. says, okay, everything will be fine if if the desired outcome happens in at this point in the future fear says everything's going to suck if that desired outcome does not happen in the future right just being as maggie was doing Mm -hmm. says settle into right now as jesus said you know let the future take care of itself take no thought for the for the for the morrow right and just be in this moment and find the infinite okayness which is always right here within you, no matter what's going on, no matter what outcomes are going on. That's that's the that's the deeper teaching.
0: Wow. And anyone
1: can do that. Anyone can access that. Mm-hmm. that it's, it, when, once someone shows you, walks you through it a little bit, it's easy. It's easy.
0: Very profound. Very profound. Okay, Facebook, we are leaving you. We're going to go to the other side and you're not going to see us anymore, but we're going to still
1: be. (laughs) I promise. Okay.